Hi, and welcome to season seven of our Focus on Women podcast. Thank you so much for all of your support. I can't believe we've gotten to season seven. We're super excited. We have a new website, so please make sure to check us out at focusonwomen.org. We have a new membership base, so please make sure to join and be a member. It could be our first round of founding members if you join before October. If you'd like to be on our podcast and interviewed, we'd love for that to happen too. So make sure you check out the podcast links as well as that membership link. And please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Thanks everyone. This is Tracy with Focus on Women, and we are here today with Emma Wood. She is currently a senior art director based in New York. Her experience includes production, lifestyle photography, brand identity, out of home and digital campaigns, UX and UI, and much, much more. And I'm super excited to have her as she will be our first sort of client-based interview on this podcast. And I know our listeners are going to be super excited too. So welcome, Emma. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. And what we want to do, what we do with everyone we interview is we kind of go back to the beginning. So if you can take us back and tell us a little bit about your background, did you study design? Did you study photography? What was, you know, what happened for you after high school? And how did you become an art director? Yeah. Um, so after high school, I actually went to a state college in upstate New York. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went there as a Spanish major. Um, <laughs> I quickly switched over to a fine arts degree. Um, there was no portfolio process to get in. It was very laid back. It was um, kind of in a hippie town, upstate New York, which was fun. And then kind of halfway through that second semester, I realized how much I enjoyed it, but it was kind of a very broad fine arts program. So I have always worked. I've worked since I was like 13 years old. And I, all I could think about was like, how am I going to figure this out? What am I going to do with a fine arts degree? What's the next step? And I vividly remember calling FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology, sitting in a stairwell so that my friends wouldn't hear me and asking for a tour. And they were like, that's not really how it works. Like, <laughs> um, and from then on, I was kind of just like obsessed with getting in there. Um, and I ended up kind of ended up not going back the following semester, that following fall semester to Oneonta. It was a late in the game decision. I think it was a week before I was supposed to go back. I'm pretty sure half the car was packed. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. This isn't wow. right for me. And I, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste anybody's time or money. So I, I took the year off. I worked a couple odd jobs and um, studied a few, took a few like uh, non-credit courses at FIT just to make sure that I liked it. And while I was doing that, I was working on my portfolio. It took an entire year. It was a pretty intense process. Um, this was for the communication design major. So that's for an associate degree. And then from there, you can reapply to the school for a bachelor's degree in either graphic design, advertising design, exhibition design, or packaging design. And they're all pretty like exclusive majors. I think each of them only take like 20 to 30 students based on talent. So yeah, I, I went to FIT and I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with it. I never missed a class. You know, mm -hmm. I 
I was obsessed and I ended up reapplying for the advertising design degree for my bachelor's and graduated from there in 2016. And I had um, from there an internship and then graduated on a Thursday. And then that Monday I started at the job that I'm at now that I've been at for five and a half years now. Wow. <laughs> so it started as an internship though first and then went into paid work. Um, the internship was actually at a PR firm at Edelman. So I was there for a few months and then a professor of mine, I was really struggling with my portfolio, trying to figure out the, the internship that I had was for a copywriter position. So I was a copywriter, but there wasn't a lot of copy work. And I was just asking for design work. I was like, if you guys have any design work, I'll do it. Just let me know. And I would stay late and I design. And I was like, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to be a designer. <laughs> and I had a professor that kind of um, hooked me up with my boss now. Um, he also went to FIT and it was her previous classmate and he was just starting his agency. Um, and we shared a desk at a WeWork. I was his first employee. <laughs> wow, so It was pretty scrappy and I got a lot of hands-on experience and yeah, I've been there ever since. So I think it worked out. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and FIT is such a great learning experience. I think no matter what you study there, they're really great about connecting you with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the networking that was available there. And also the professors were all still working in the industry. And if they weren't, they were like these amazing designers that I feel like should have been in museums, not in classrooms, you know? So the people that we got to learn from are pretty incredible too. And the connections that FIT has and just being around other creatives, you know, the, there's no campus really, it's just a city block. They close down the street and it's just people walking around with portfolios and they get dressed for class, you know? Right. So <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful creative community and some like a place that I really hold close to my heart. I think it's I highly recommend it to anybody in a creative field. They have majors that span beyond just fashion. I know, I know it's misleading the name. Right. <laughs> right. So talk to us a little bit about how it felt to be the first employee at this agency. And were you then, I feel like that's another experience in and, in and of itself, because you're at this brand new company that's growing. You must see, you must have a lot more insight than just what you do as an art director. Yeah. So at first it felt perfect. I did not, I was not ready for a big agency experience. I'm from a small town. I, you know, I went to a small high school. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big town girl, but I love the city. And I think I really still needed guidance and hands-on help from somebody that was seasoned. And I thought that this was the perfect opportunity. And I'm also like, kind of a control freak. So <laughs> the fact that I was able to own accounts while, you know, just stepping into the role and I was able to own an account was amazing. And my first account was a social media account for a honey brand. And I, I ran their social media and I would take the photos. I would talk to influencers. I would write the captions. I'd post, I would have photo shoots in my mom's kitchen with honey, which she did not appreciate at all. Um, but it was just, you know, I had my iPhone or I had like a pretty 
basic camera that I would shoot on and I learned how to retouch and, and edit things in Photoshop. So that was kind of like my first hands-on experience of from concepting to the final product, which taught me a lot and really just put me into the ring of fire, but in the best way possible, because I felt really supported. And then things just started to pick up from there. I was able to work on other accounts and, you know, gain momentum. And it was such a great learning experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell us, tell me a little bit more about, um, for those of our listeners who maybe don't know what an art director does, can you just walk us through your role as an art director and where does it start and what are the things that you're involved in? Yeah, totally. I think the title always confused me, honestly. I was like, what does that mean? That That is not descriptive at all. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is a broad term and it is a broad title too. And I think, especially at a small agency, it's even broader. Basically my day-to-day -day now, I feel, you know, after all this time, I'm finally doing what it means to be an art director. So it's a lot of conceptual work when a a uh, client comes to us with an idea. I sit down with some other creatives, usually a writer, another creative director, and we start to concept on whatever that project is. How are we going to execute this? Um, what are some like eye-catching, thumb-stopping things that we can do? Um, and then from there, I basically, I'll either create a mood board or the writer will have a write-up. And then we present that to junior creatives, usually a on my team, a junior designer and a social media strategist. I'll speak specifically to social for this, like organic content. And they'll they will take the concepts that we have, these broad concepts, and kind of funnel it down into deliverables. So I'll have a mood board, a write-up, and then they'll take it and say, okay, based on this mood board, we came up with this. And then I will give feedback and then they'll go execute it. So it's a lot of feedback. And I think the job of the art directors to kind of create that overarching environment and then guide people who craft it into the end goal, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so once you've finalized what that design is going to be, when, when in the process, when it's obviously photography driven, when does that kick in where you go, okay, we know we need a photographer. And then what does that look like from your point of view from an art director's point of view. Yeah. So that is usually in like the second stage of everything. So we'll come up with the concept, the designers and other um, creatives will work on bringing that to life. And then we bring in an, a photographer and we'll say, okay, this is our idea. We're thinking about a location like this. Do you have any ideas for a location and kind of get their input on that? That's the ideal situation. It doesn't always work out like that, but that's ideal. I really appreciate having photographers involved from an early stage because you never know what insight they can bring into it. Like, oh, I shot at this place once and it was perfect. Or I know this model that I shot with last time and they would be great for this. Or even just getting their input on the certain angle or like these two shots, let's do those together because I'll have this set up. And that just helps the day run so much more smooth when you have input like that. I don't know these things. So those, that knowledge is 
amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know what other way to put it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's ideal to have the photographer come in at an early stage and see when we're in a good place with concepting and exactly what we, what we want to check off on bringing them in and getting their opinion on things like that, I think is ideal. Um, again, doesn't always happen, but really important. <laughs> and where are you getting those photographers from? Like are the, as an art director, I would imagine that you you know, follow a lot of people and yeah. a lot of brands on Instagram, but are there also, I know you're in a small company, so you might know, might not know, but are there also people within your company that that's all they do is kind of connect with the photographers and share stuff with you? Yeah. So as of recently, we have started a, a separate production arm where we have eight photographers and videographers for the client to choose from. That is kind of like baked into the budget. So we're usually picking from them, but it's not uncommon that I've met a photographer or somebody else in the team knows somebody or a photographer that we work with will say, I'm not right for this, but I know somebody who is. So it's, it's a, a couple of different things and just working with people previously, people I follow on Instagram, I'll say, oh, this is perfect. I know this person's style. So it's been a little bit easier for our team to find people just because we have those eight people on call. Mm -hmm. But I've also, I'm not afraid to bring in somebody who isn't a part of that group if I know that they're right. Mm -hmm. And also newsletters. I don't know why I'm signed up for all these newsletters, but they're amazing. <laughs> these newsletters that end up in my inbox, like I really do read them and I go through them. And if I like them, I'll follow them on Instagram or I have a spreadsheet that I keep and uh, I will always refer to that. I'm really, really organized. So, <laughs> but I, I, but that's good to hear. I think for people, yeah. you know, cause we, we as creatives spend a lot of time putting those things together for you. So yeah, it's good to know they're actually being opened and, you know, and that there's a way that you organize them so you can go back to them when you need, when you need to, or you have the right project. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's my job to create that initial environment that we want to create. And then I look at it as like, it's our job together with the photographer to execute that. And with the wrong photographer for that project, it might not make it there. So it's important to me to have the right person, number one for the work and number two. So that person feels like they're part of that photographer feels like they're a part of something that they want to create too. If it's not their style, I know when I work on something, it's not my style. I'm uncomfortable and not in a good way. <laughs> and I think that's okay too, to have a style and to own that and to, you know, kind of fight to work on things like that. I think it sometimes comes later in your career, but I think it's important to work within that and kind of hone in on that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, um, is the agency that you've worked at the last few years, is that mostly social media, the advertising that you're working on? As of recent, most of the work that I've been doing has been for organic social, but it is a full service creative agency. So we've worked on pre-roll spots for YouTube. Um, we have worked on out of home, you know, collateral, uh, for the Bronx Zoo. They have an in-house photographer. So that's also as an art director, taking photography that's already shot and making what you can of that, especially with animals at the zoo. 
like <laughs> that's very challenging. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So it's also that's a challenge too, is like working with photography or a library that is shot and it's not shot for anything specific. And you're coming up with the concept around that photography. Wow. So um yeah, it's a we we do websites. Uh we just did a shoot for a chocolate website, which was a lot of fun. So there's tons of things that we've shot photography for, but social seems to be the biggest right now. And I think in some ways, the most challenging. Hmm. Why do you say that? I think because it's so, I mean, the algorithm, I don't, if anybody figures out what it is, like, please email me. I would love to know. (laughs) We all need to know that. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody's cracked the case. Let me know. I think it's really difficult if a brand isn't already established and most of the brands that come to us are in that, like, you know, they're, they're finding their footing. They're trying to break out of whatever cycle that they've been in. They want to do something new and fresh. So that's what we try to help them with. But what's most important is like either being authentic so that when somebody's scrolling, it's like, Oh, this is a photo that my friend took. So you stop and you look and you want to like it, you know, inherently you're like, I have to like this photo or you like it. You stop because you like it and you don't feel like you're being sold something. Or it has to be so out of the box and creative that it is thumb stopping and you do stop and you look. So it's like that balance. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, the brand has to, the brand voice has to come through in that. So like something so out of the box and creative, wouldn't it be great for like, a brand that is food or it might be. So it's finding that voice and then finding which end of the spectrum you want to be on to get that person to stop. And that's the really challenging part about social media is where does your brand lie and how are you going to execute that? Right. Yeah. It's a challenge. uh, Yeah. I mean, I think Instagram is still totally a challenge for everyone who's using it as a platform right? Both for the client side, but also from our perspective as creatives, it's like constantly battling with what do I post? What's, you know, what is right? What's going to make someone stop and think about me? And, or do I just want it to look like my portfolio, you know, like, um, we could dig into that a little bit. Like, do you, when you're looking for photographers or even just on Instagram, what, what appeals to you? Do you want to be able to see more than what you see on their website? Do you want it to be exactly like, or are you only looking there and not going to the website? Like what are some of those inside tips? I'm definitely going to both. I think because number one, the website can be so different from their Instagram in some ways. Like I look at my personal website as like, this is my work. And you know, sometimes you don't have so much control over your work, but you try to put your best work out there. And hopefully you get that call and you can explain your rationale, your thinking behind it, and maybe what you would have done differently. But then like getting onto somebody's Instagram, I hope it's like, oh, I always hope it's like a mix of their work and their personality. Like, I mean, I hope both are, but it always seems to skew more like the website is more work. And then Instagram is where they can kind of be there themselves more. And sometimes I like to see, do they match? Are they different? Is their personal work on their Instagram? How does that compare to their website? I'm big on personality. So 
you know, you could have amazing photography, but if set is going to be stressful and, you know, not fun to work with, not, not a fun day, or it doesn't always have to be fun, but easygoing, the the environment matters too. So, Mm -hmm. and that's hard to tell from social, but you can get an idea, but I'm 100% always checking both. I'm doing, I'm doing my homework. homework. (laughs) And how often do you actually get on a call with a photographer? It it depends. So the way I met Shelly was Mm -hmm. um, through New York city photo works. So that's pretty often. And that's been really, really nice to meet photographers through there. And I, I highly recommend it to any photographer who just wants to talk to any other creatives or anything like that. It's been really nice personally, because I love connecting with creatives and I feel like the pandemic slowed that down and just seeing people's work and seeing what's out there and meeting people and hearing about their work. So through that, I, Mm -hmm. I talk to photographers often. Um, if we're hiring somebody that's outside of our, you know, eight photographers that we have in house, it depends on the project. If I get on the phone with them, sometimes it's, if it's fast moving, it's just kind of like, okay, this is who we have to go with. And unless there's a hard no, then we just go with them. But if we have a little bit more time, more budget, people to time to play with people to like interview, I'll definitely get on the phone with a few photographers and other creatives or people in the industry as well. The producers, like I'm, I'm pretty involved with that hiring process, which is nice. so excited to say that our sponsor for season seven is the American Photographic Artist. They were established in 1981 and they're a not-for-profit trader association run by photographers for photographers working in the advertising and editorial sectors. They understand the challenges of this industry and advocate on behalf of their members. The APA offers inspiration, education, and advocacy. The APA membership structure gives every photographer an affordable way to belong to a community of like-minded professionals. APA members are connected by regional chapters, providing both a national and local connection to networking, portfolio reviews, photo competitions, and activism. The APA supports women and minority photographers. Their diversity committee is charged with clearing a path to success for those who are traditionally underrepresented. The APA Scope webinar and podcast series includes discussions with photographers reimagining the photo industry as one driven by diversity and inclusion. Please stay tuned to the end of this podcast for our APA code, which will get you half off a contributor membership. Thanks. So what what would you say are some of the trends um, maybe in the last... And let's not talk about last year yet, <laughs> but <laughs> before COVID, pre-COVID, where, where was, where do you see the ad and industry kind of headed? I know that you're, the agency you're at is, is more, um, it's like you said, it's not a big box ad agency. It's more PR and branding mm-hmm. specific, right? Is that the trend or is that, branch off or how do you see that you know what's the difference between being a big box agency and a branding PR specialist Uh, that's hard to say I I think you know we are full creative 
like full service creative agency. So there isn't a pro like, it's very rare that a project comes our way and we say no to it. We always Mm -hmm. try to figure out what to do. I see agencies becoming smaller and smaller and like scrappier. Um, I could be wrong, but I also have seen that, that old, um, mentality of like art director, copywriter, structured team, you only work on this account that seems to be going out the door, which is nice. I think it allows people to work with multiple creatives, not be stuck on one job. So that seems to be dying out, which I think is a good thing because I think if I could do one thing, it'd be work with as many creatives as possible and learn from different people, not be, and as many accounts as possible too, and just learn as much as possible. Right. You're not just when you're at one of those bigger agencies. So there's so many different people and then there's the car people and then there's the food people. And yeah, Yeah. instead you guys are small enough that you get the chance to have your hands in many different types of advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I appreciate and is really nice because you never know like what you're going to be good at. It's, it's hard to say, or or what interests you. Yeah. Yeah. And you get tired of things, you know, and it, and then it'll be fresh for the next person. So it's good to pass work along, I think, and not get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what about what it sounds like, I mean, you've had such an amazing experience because you, you know, came fresh from school and you had this amazing connection. Where do you see, like, let's talk, talk future a little bit if we can, because, you know, reality is nobody really stays at a job anymore for 30 years. So <laughs> what, what are those stepping blocks that are going to help you? And what are you looking to do next? Like, what's your next career goal? Yeah, that's a good question. I have been thinking about that a lot lately. And I think it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about of like, mixing up what you're doing, trying different things. That's really something I'm really passionate about is not getting comfortable, being challenged, not just working on one account, one type of account, just social. I think personally, I'm very like, I'm a very good multitasker. And I am when I'm stimulated by different things, that's when I'm doing my best. If I were on one account with one partner, I don't think I would last in advertising at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what's next for me is just connecting with more creatives, breaking out of my comfort zone and just trying new things. And I'm not opposed to, you know, a title change or becoming a little more niche in something else. Like if production is an opportunity, maybe like diving deeper into that. So yeah, I think this job has given me so many opportunities over the past five and a half years. I've learned so much, worked with so many different creatives. So I think it's important to keep that momentum going Mm -hmm. in one way or another. So that's kind of a broad answer. I don't know if I answered the question, but that's okay. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to think, you know, when you're in it too, it's hard to think of where would you be if you weren't in it? You know, what would, what's the next thing out there for you? And I think marketing in, in general, right. And advertising in general, it's, it's all about what's the next big, what's going to be the next hot thing. Right. Right. Um, 
what have you seen? Let's talk about COVID. How has that changed for clients and for branding? In so many ways, in so many ways. I think first it was, we're pulling everything. We're not advertising. And then it was such a struggle when it was time. I guess it was like the beginning of last summer when New York, uh, where I'm based, it was in a better place. Most of our clients are based there. So it was the language around reopening and being careful about that and making sure people felt safe and people felt like they were thought about and their safety was thought about. So it was such touchy language. And then the language kind of turned to like, everybody needs to come together and we we're in this as one. And that was around the time of the second wave and then the election. So it's just been like the way that brands have been addressing their audience has been really big. I've seen that change completely where the audience is considered. It's mm-hmm. not, I'm trying to sell you this. It's I'm thinking about you and the empathy is there. And you know, it, you have to be so sensitive and it's really, you don't want to say you, you mess up one word and it's like, Oh, it's over. Right. You know? right. And then you add, um, the whole movement with the BIPOC and all of the stuff yeah. that happened during COVID with Black yeah. Lives Matter. Yes. Right. And the Me Too movement. And I mean, advertising has been through some big blows. Yeah. And it's such a fine line of saying the right thing. And it's not just about saying the right thing. It's backing it up and doing it. And I that's think right. that's really important too. And that's where a lot of brands have gotten like in trouble for lack of a better word, or Mm -hmm. there's so much access to information now. And if a brand is saying that they're doing something and they're not following up and doing it, you'll find out and it's not going to be good for you, you know? So it's saying that you're doing this, backing it up and doing it and actually actively doing it and being a part of it. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting, especially like the language around things and just everything that you have to be sensitive about, which I think is so important and being inclusive and being aware of your audience and making them feel heard and you're empathetic. I mean, I could go on forever about it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the broad spectrum of it. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's where it's changed the most. And I think it's for the best. And I, I just hope that as much as brands are saying it, they're doing it because that's the worst part is working on something And you're, you know, you're the first, you're on the front line of hearing what they're going to do next. And it's your job to relay that to the audience. And you're hoping that they're keeping up with it because it also falls on you. If Mm -hmm. you're, if you're standing behind a brand and you're supporting them and you're getting their messaging out there and it's not authentic. So yeah, that can be a little tricky sometimes, but (laughs) yeah. Could you share with us? I'm curious to hear what are some of those brands that you are in love with right now that are really standing behind their messaging, doing it well? Oh, that's such a good question. Wow. I don't know. Off the top of my head. I know. Sorry. I totally threw a a curveball. But I think that's a good point is like, nobody's standing out right now to me. I'm sure there are, but there's nobody that I could confidently say they're doing it right Mm. in all ways. Okay. Uh, You know, like I'm going to throw one out for you. Okay. We, and then we can, 
be controversial, but um, <laughs> Everlane. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I know enough about them to say yes or no. Okay. So I guess I'll do my homework on that and report back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm fascinated with that brand. Um, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing their CEO, uh, last winter for a project that we were doing. And you know, I feel like he, he tries really hard to stand behind his messaging, um, you know, with the way that their clothing is made, mm-hmm. the recycling that they're doing, the, um, I think he says a hundred percent plastic free, but don't quote me. It might be more like 90%, but it's kind of, you know, and the video work that they do behind that on their website to sort of prove it is it's interesting to me. And, um, and then, you know, they've also obviously politically gotten involved because they're a California company. So they're politically involved with the, I think it's with the ACLU and, you know, different things like that too. Right. And also around beauty and not everyone is, size two and mm-hmm. white and, you know, yeah. so I guess anyway. off that, I would say dove, right? Like that, you know, that sparked that in me, I would say dove, I would totally stand behind. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's always something that could come up, you know, <laughs> it's true. Right. <laughs> Especially with a wanna, really big brand. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you want to say yes, but then, and I'm confident that yes, but then I'm sure somebody knows something I don't know, but I think they stand behind their messaging. And I think that they were one of the first, they were pretty much pioneers in like body positivity and Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's plenty of them out there. And I think that's also a trend is being transparent and being open and being real, you know, people don't want fake and phony anymore. It's, I, I would put my money behind something real before anything else. Yeah, for sure. And I think if not, I think, you know, we've had so many conversations around COVID and what's come out of COVID. And I think that that's such a positive part of what COVID did for us as humans, as people who all live together on the planet. It's sort of like so much happened all at the same time with the pandemic and then fires and Black yeah. Lives Matter. And I mean, it was like everything that could possibly happen in a year has de- uh, now too has definitely happened right and there's so many different trends happening that yeah that i think seeing companies like you said trying to stand behind the messaging and become more empathetic and make it more about not that they're trying to sell to you but that they want you to you know be part of their brand kind of i like yeah. that i like that idea a lot yeah creating more of like a community where you mm-hmm. feel a part of it yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. And what, what do you see? Do you feel in that vein that, you know, there was a time when everything shut down and, uh, and photographers, I think had that panic attack of, Oh my God, what if I can't go back on set? Like, what yeah. if I can't shoot? And some of those really creative creatives came up with brilliant ways of finding themselves behind a camera without an art director, right? Or with a remote art director, but also some of those ad agencies turned to other ways to create content. And with, I feel like there was a resurgence of really good illustration and then the whole CGI thing that's happening. Where do you, 
where do you see that now? Like, give us some hope on the photography side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, has it balanced back out? Are we are we there yet? Will photography make you know come back to advertising in full force? Yeah, I think so, and I hope so. I think it kind of goes back to our conversation about things feeling authentic. Um, I think that includes photography. I would hope that CGI wouldn't take over for that. I think that there's a time and a place for these things, but there's brands that CGI isn't right for them. You know, a lifestyle photography, real people in the photography is what makes the brand what it is. Like we've worked on life insurance companies and casted real families. And that's what made the photo shoot what it was. It was real families in their homes. And that is such a total difference. I think there's a time and a place for CGI. That's, you know, we did work for dinosaur safari and we can't take photos of dinosaurs, but we want to, you know, <laughs> create the most authentic experience for them based on what they're going to see. So that's when you turn to CGI. But I think, yeah, I, I hope that it, it's coming back. I hope that photographers have seen that. I, I have seen it already. I've been on more shoots in this these past six months than I have my entire career. So that's really good, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm speaking from my experience only. But yeah, I personally, as an art director, I will always find a time and a place for photography to be included, especially that authentic, real photography or the wacky, creative, conceptual stuff. I will find, I will find a lot of time for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Tell us a little bit more about, um, or can you share with us some tips for those listeners out there who are photographers in terms of marketing? Like what's the best way to get in front of you besides everyone should sign up for Boulevard and their portfolio reviews, which is what she talked about earlier, the New York, um, What's it called? Uh, PhotoWorks, New York yes. PhotoWorks. Cool. Yeah. And they yeah. are not just in New York. They do LA and New York. I think Chicago too. Um, so yes. anyway, but besides portfolio reviews, what are some other things that you really like seeing from photographers in terms of marketing? I follow tons of photographers on Instagram, all different types, lifestyle, street photography, really crazy conceptual stuff stuff that is for advertising. I just love having that in my arsenal so that if something comes up, I'm like, oh, I follow this person. I know they're based in New York. It's right there. I think Instagram is very important and it's, you don't even have to do a paid thing. Just like be active on it, share stuff that is true to you. And that's where I find a lot of work. I do read newsletters. I do read the newsletters when I get them. I don't know how they ended up in my inbox. I don't know what I signed up for, but I'm happy I did. And I do read them. And I hope that that, you know, makes people keep creating them. Um, cold emails, like just finding people on LinkedIn and cold emailing art directors, seeing what their agency's about. I think that works. I open them. I don't get a lot of, or I'm good at filtering my emails. Like, I don't, I like having a zero in my inbox. I don't, so I go through and I see what I want. I, I know I'm, you know, that's not common. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. 50, 50. Right. Yeah. I think just staying well connected and going to these portfolio reviews, meeting people, putting yourself out there, 
and just sharing your work because, you know, photography is visual, obviously. So I think the more you push it out there, the more you are authentically yourself and just share your work, it hopefully will land in the right hands and you never know, you know, so I don't know. I hope that's good advice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time and talking to us today. Can you share with our viewers where they can see your work? Yeah. So my website is woodemma.com, W-O-O-D-M-M-A-E-M-M-A.com. I just spelled my name wrong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, all my work is up there. Um, pretty much all updated and yeah, always open to meeting new people, meeting new photographers, new creatives. So please, my email's on there, reach out. And I'd love to see your work. Add me to your newsletter. Right. <laughs> People will start calling for your address. Can I mail yeah. you something? <laughs> sure. <laughs> we'll bring print back soon. Yeah, we're getting please, back soon. Please bring print back. I love a good coffee table book, magazines, feeling right. the paper. I, it's one of my favorite things. So if you have a print book that you want to send me, I will open it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You might get inundated, Emma. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. This is focusonwomen.org. You can find us at focusonwomen.org. You can find our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Please make sure you subscribe. We're also becoming a membership-based community. So check out our new membership and what that gets you on our website. And also reach out. We are looking for more people to have on the podcast. So definitely reach out. We want to talk to all of you. So everyone stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing. APA is providing those who are listening to this Focus on Women podcast an opportunity to join using a $25 coupon code. APA memberships start at just $50 a year, so that's half off an annual contributor membership. Use the code FOW2021 to take advantage of this offer. The code will be valid until the end of 2021. Join at apanational.org. If you have any questions, reach out to Juliet Wolf-Robin. She's the executive director of the APA, as well as being one of our founding members for Focus on Women. 